This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal. And so I want to say hello. I want to tell you, watch this interview or catch the podcast if you can't watch the entire interview. We are interviewing Frank Tate. He's the author of Time Machine's work. The subtitle is Using the Pain from Your Past as Rocket Fuel for Your Future. Time Machine's work, Frank Tate. I've got two things I, I want to say at this point. Can can you stay on for a little while? First of all, please stay mm-hmm. on. Okay. I, yeah. I want to talk to you some more. And two things. One thing is um, I still – I'm glad your time machine works and that you can go back and uh, forgive your your foster your foster father. But dang it, man, I'm still kind of mad as I'm watching the movie, as I'm reading the book. I mean, m- movie is what it feels like. Is like, dang, dude, I'm still I'm still upset. So I'm glad that you could glean some wisdom. And I don't yeah. know what that looks like to forgive. I mean, a, a lot of a lot of pain there. Um, and yeah. it's so cool that you gleaned all that wisdom. Was there, is there a part of it that also you get to that point of forgiveness or, and, and oh, I haven't absolutely. read the whole book. So, okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, um, you, I mean, you learn, you know, the best part of, of using the time machines isn't like, like one of the biggest lessons I learned was that, you know, my mom, as you, you've already read through, my mom did some pretty mean things to me. Right. And, and, uh, I, I, um, you know, I could very well have the right to be mad at her and to, yeah. to feel like she was unfair to me. But what by revisiting those memories, what I realized is that I'm just a victim of a victim and that my mom only did to me what was first done to her. Yeah. So here, here's the mind blower for, yeah. for what happened to me through the book is that, so my, my, I, what I realized is that my mom and my daughter have almost the same skill set. They're both outside the box thinkers. They're both, brutally funny, unbelievably funny, humorous, charismatic, um, but they don't, neither of them liked academics and neither of them like coloring it in the lines. Yeah. You know, they like doing it their way. So the difference is that my mom's parents wanted a ballet taking, speak when spoken to, straight A student. And so her humor, her creativity, her outside the box thinking drove them crazy and they tried to fix her. Yeah. And they shamed her into being who they wanted her to be, which all that did was cause her to run away as a teenager. And yeah. she basically, they told her that she'd never make anything of herself and she proved them right. Right. Because that, that's what they saw in her. Right. My daughter is literally the happiest human I know. Wow. And I'm convinced it's because that we celebrate who she is. We love her humor. We love that. You know, there's a couple stories in the book that you'll get to where you see her outside the box thinking and, oh. and that you, and rather than push her to get straight A's, I pushed her to get straight C's, but to make people laugh Yeah, and, and to not worry about the academic side of things. Cause that's not how her brain works. Her brain, she learns by listening, right. by observing, not by reading and memorizing. Right. And so, but, but how crazy is that Steve, that, that the difference right. between crazy. my mom and my daughter very well could be that, that yeah. one parent celebrated who yep. their kid was and the other more who they were not. Yeah. And, but I don't want any of the listeners to feel guilt if, if um, you know, you're realizing that you're more of an author and less of an editor 
or that you have more to your children are. Because here's the beautiful thing. Yeah. That at any point, my foster father or my mom, at any point, if they would have came to me and said, I am sincerely sorry, I just realized that I didn't celebrate that you did that great job for the doctor, and I would like to ask your forgiveness. Yeah. It would have been a game changer for me. Right. I would have been in awe. And I call it in, in the book, I call it the I'm sincerely card. I'm sincerely sorry card. Yeah. And that if you feel like, if your listeners feel like there's distance between your children and you now, or that you haven't, you know, that you have been authoring their story, I guarantee it's only one apology away. It mm. might not be an immediate response on their part, but that will resonate in their mind and they'll think, oh my gosh, they, they're sorry. They didn't mean to do that. I can, you know, I can move that closer to them. Right. So there's such great hope. That's why I right. say using the pain from your past as rocket fuel for your future because. It, you know, kids want relationship with us. They want to. They want to be close to us, but they don't want us to try to make them who they're not. Right. And, you know, and and so, so if any listener is, is hearing and, and feeling guilty, right. I, right. I want to offer you great hope. That right. all you got to do is. I mean, we can even text or email. Just say, "Wow, I, I just have been pondering your gifts, and I realize I haven't celebrated your humor, or I haven't celebrated that you love playing with Legos, or right. I haven't celebrated that you love Minecraft." Right, you know, and and right. I want to learn more about that. Yeah, and I'm so proud of you. Yeah, that would be a game changer. Right. So, man, that is that, that's powerful. Go ahead. Oh no, that's yeah. So, I'm, I, uh, so I am excited about the book because again, it doesn't matter what my story is. We every single human on the planet has has experienced shame all days and has sure. had really a, a tough childhood. I mean, my childhood in comparison to some is so easy. And in comparison to others, it was hard, but the, right. the, it doesn't matter. The human condition is that we get scars along the way, and and then we start to think that's just who I am, or I don't deserve success, or I don't deserve joy. But, but so this is this is a Christian um, show. What I can say, what <laughs> my theology through writing the book has changed so much down to you know Jesus said to love God and to love others, which we all know. Right. But then he went on to say, love others as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I feel like we've missed that part. And that's, that's so much what I hope about time machines is that I think a better way to, to say that is because if you say, well, how, you know, as you love yourself, that sounds almost narcissistic. Right. Or, or unfortunately, the majority of people would say, well, I don't love myself. Right. But what if we change that to saying, love others by doing what you love doing? Mm. And, that if, oh. if if the love God and love others as you love yourself, what if it's an algebra problem, and that how you love yourself is the X factor, and that you're not going to be able to solve that problem of loving God and loving others until you first solve the X factor of how you love yourself. So, for instance, ever since I've known you, you have been a brilliant uh, counselor and coach. I mean, you're just so trustworthy. You ask such great questions. You, you listen with the goal of hearing, not with the goal of your reply. And, and you just come across as this unbelievably trustworthy friend who wants to make your story better. That's you being you. That's not work for you. That's Steve being Steve. And, and I've had the joy of watching you do that to love God because you're loving God how you love yourself. That's good. So for me, it's making ugly stuff pretty. So yeah. for me, being a business consultant, that is so much fun for me because I see these business practices that can use some some work yeah. and that need to be polished a bit, and then and then I, I help them. So that's how I love God is is because I love doing that. And so yeah. I'm going to tell a story from my friend's book. He he has this great book, and it says 
that he has a chapter that says Mother Teresa was selfish. And <laughs> when when you see that, you th- or when you read it, you're thinking, how could Mother Teresa be selfish? Right. But his point is that she was so gifted at empathy and so gifted at compassion and so gifted at mm. at giving dignity that for her, going to the city of death wasn't work. That was her totally in the pocket. That was yeah. her getting to love God how she loves herself, because she loved humans that much. So his premise is that it was far harder for her to go to the United Nations and, and accept an award than it was for her to go to the city of death and help someone, you know, be be um, you know uh, taken care of. Right. Because that's how yeah. her gifts work. So. Part of what I'm trying to do with Time Machine's work is for each of us to figure out, I, I call it the who and the how. Because mm. in business, we say it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. So it's my premise that the most important who to know is to know yourself. Mm. You know, what do I love doing? What seems easy for me? What things just do I come alive? And conversely, what things do I hate doing? Yeah. Um, for instance, I hate accounting. I, I'm terrible at it. Yeah. And so... I don't even try to do it anymore. I just, my highest paid employee is my accountant and she's amazing. Yeah. Like she goes to tax, to tax, um, uh, like seminars, seminars and stuff. Yeah. Because she's so excited. Like yeah. She goes to learn because that's how she loves herself. Yeah. So, so part, and then, and then Jesus said to love others as you love yourself. So my, part of my goal with time machines work is that we'll revisit our past and we'll think, man, I, the happiest time of my life is when I was doing this. And and you'll start to see these track records of man, like for, you know, for instance, if I use you an example, yeah. the peanut butter bowl totally makes sense because you love humor, you love having fun, you love creating great, um, you know, where people feel welcome, you love serving, you know, you love bringing hope where there's no hope. So that's a perfect, you know, way for you to love God because that's not hard for you. That's not dreading you're not dreading that right you know whereas if you if you had to you know i don't know something that you that you don't like doing but if that was how you were trying to so like for me if i had to be a pastor if me and a good christian meant being a pastor i would be a terrible christian because i don't <laughs> like preaching i'm terrible at it i i you know i i just wouldn't be able to to put up with church politics and stuff that would be super hard for me yeah so for for my gifting, it's way better for me to to serve God through the business field. Right. And but for the parents out there, I want them to know yeah. your kids are brilliant at something. Yeah. And if you if they can like for me, what I count success is that if you're if our kids can leave our house knowing who they are, what makes their heart sing, and who needs what they love doing, then I feel like that they'll they'll be set. Um, you know, to chase a, a career that will make their heart sing. Yeah. Versus if they leave our house. Uh, you know, getting this unintentional goodwill shame that that right. they need to be a better student, that they need to, you know, to make it go to prestigious university and all that. So, yeah. so I hope that rings true. So it, it's hard to talk about a, a whole book in a in a small thing, but the goal would be that, that the first part of the book is that we, as the reader, can learn that we're a one of a kind work of art. That God right. only made one of us. There's seven point five seven billion people on the planet right now, and there's only one of you. Yeah. That's and great. that you have something that is incredibly easy for you to do, but not easy for all. Mm-hmm. And and that's and so if we can figure out what we love doing and then figure out who needs it, yeah. then you get the real joy of the gospel because now you're loving others as you love yourself. Yeah, that's but good. If you think that the gospel is just not you know not doing this and not drinking that, and not going to those kind of things. That you know, that's that's not the real joy of the gospel. The real joy of the gospel is loving others as you love yourself. Right. Um, 
Makes sense. Oh, man, that's beautiful. And let me say this, because part of your gift that you've given us that allows us to get into our time machines is that you are very vulnerable. Um, you may not feel that way as you write the book. I don't know. But the stories, like I said, are so – they just – get into your heart and we, uh, because you're a gifted communicator and writer, we get into the stories with you to where we are hurting with you, which I know is not your intent is like, Hey, that's not the end of the story. That's, that's my story. But as you do that, as you're vulnerable and sharing that with us, that invites and encourages us to revisit in our time machine, you know, those spots that were painful, that where we met disappointment, um, where we thought there should be celebration or where we were embarrassed or felt shame that we maybe didn't need to feel or felt abandoned. So um, I want to encourage, because I know you, you won't, <laughs> I want to encourage our, our viewers and our listeners because um, he's barely touched on some of these just uh, beautiful, but, broken, heartbreaking, heart-wrenching, but to see what God has done through that and through Frank and who he is and how he was designed. And the fact that, you know, your mom had that experience and she did not do like you and go the other way. And yet you have and said to your invisible Jesus, I, I want to know how to be a good dad and I'm going to observe and I'm going to watch and I'm going to ask you. Um, it's just so compelling. So even though I know for you, it's, it's not just about that. The, the stories of your, um, both ups and downs and hurts and pains and then, you know, triumphs that are triumphant, but, you know, wind up being feel like you're defeated or whatever. They're very, very important in the book. Um, they're just so compelling. So I'm really grateful but that you, yeah, go here's ahead. A, here's a really, I want to make sure this too is that yeah. the, the greatest joy of the book was learning to celebrate who my mom was. Cause oh. I spent way too many years seeing, you know, only seeing her through the eight year old that she abandoned or the 10 year old that she abandoned Wow. or some of the meaner things she did to me. Yeah. But when mm. you get to go back and revisit those memories of our parents and, and realize, you know, what her childhood was like and the pain that she had to navigate. Right. And the coolest thing is that, that my mom became a Christian later in life. Whoa. And, and it was so awesome oh to watch gosh. her just fall in love with Jesus wow, in, in a way. And, and, and she was, she truly was amazing. Like my biggest regret after writing the book is that my mom isn't still alive yeah. because I would love to celebrate her. I would love to say, I can't believe how funny you are. I can't yeah. believe how outside the box you think, you know, my mom was a genius, but, but she wasn't the genius that her parents wanted yeah. and therefore they pushed her out. And so I know that, that all of us have these huge parental scars right. from things that may have been intentionally done or things that were accidentally done. But the, the, you know, when you go back and you think about, well, man, what was their childhood like? What, what was that? And there's some things that, you know, that are just unforgivable. I mean, I've, I've heard some horrific stories, um, you know, but nothing is unforgivable to Jesus. Right. And that, that, that nothing my mom could have done could have distanced his love for her. And that's what I want to, yeah. you know, encourage everybody is, is that, yeah, our parents could have done some really hard things to us, but how cool that that can be a catalyst for us to help people. You know, like I say, it, the the main thing, and this might be a good a good place to exit, but no. I, I had the privilege of working on um, on a campaign when COVID first hit. Um, that was 
I was working with a bunch of scientists that were working for the cure. Yeah. And what I what I learned that was amazing is that that they were chasing the cure through people who had already had the disease and had survived it, mm. and they were harvesting their their brain their blood for the um, antibodies. And as soon as I learned that, it was such a game changer for me because mm. I think so many of us think we're disqualified because of our past. Yeah. You know, I've made too many mistakes. I, I was an alcoholic or I was a drug addict or I was in jail or I'm, I'm divorced or, you know, whatever. I'm addicted to this or that. We think that that disqualifies us. But what if that, in fact, is the very thing that qualifies us to mm. help people that are currently dealing with that? Mm-hmm. Like I, my heart, I love being around kids just making kids laugh and give them joy because I know what it's like to be uh, completely ignored as a child. Yeah. I know what it's like to be Dang. You're taking That's me to some pain. painful spots What's in that? the book, Frank. You're, you're taking me right back there. Oh, my yeah. gosh. And, yeah. But see, that's the gift is whatever pain that we've experienced, what if we've experienced it to help others navigate it in the future? Right. You know, what if if we are going to right. be the survivor story, the antibody that says, like, I love, um, you know, when I get to talk to foster kids because foster kids mm. or orphan kids tend to think that they did something wrong and that's why their parents ditched them. Yeah. And and I love getting to tell them, what if you get to use that pain? To make? Like, neither one of my kids could ever fathom being uh, uh, um, abused right. or being abandoned or not being told how much they that loved or not celebrated. Right. That was only possible because I know the pain of not having it. And I decided to use that pain as a catalyst that that would die on my branch, the family tree. Right. So those listeners that are out there that feel like they're disqualified from a great story, I disagree. I yeah. think every pain that we've, that we've survived makes us the, the, uh, have, gives us the ability to help others navigate that storm and come out on the other side. Yeah. So wow. that's where the whole idea of using the pain from our past as rocket fuel for our future, because I don't know a more healing um, act uh, for the human condition is then to, is to help others navigate the pain that we've survived. That's great, so. man. That's great. All right. I know you think you're done, but I have a favor to ask and I know you might shoot yeah, me yeah. down, but, um, I'm just, just, I, I want to share like just one last story. If you could share just for the insight into, um, the way God has designed you, uh, which I think is incredible. I think it's the class clown, like how you became the class clown. I think I can't remember if it was before sixth grade when schools changed oh, yeah. and everything. Do you yeah, mind like well, sharing that? And, and what was it, Frank? It was fourth grade. Fourth, you know, so, so I became okay. a foster kid in, in the third grade. So I yeah. didn't get to go to the first half of third grade. And then in fourth grade was awesome because I, you know, I got to go to school on time and I knew where it was right yeah. down the street. But then at the end of the fourth grade, yeah. California decided to shut down that school. And so I would be getting shipped up to the school that was in the in the way more rough part of town. Okay. And and again, I was a super late bloomer, and so I was tiny. I, I was going into fifth grade, but I looked like a third grader. A third which, grader. You know, it's just, yeah, and that's just, and for everybody in public school, you, you know that, <laughs> that that's just asking for trouble. Right. And so I was trying to figure out, okay, how can I, you know, I'm not big enough to protect myself physically. And, uh, you know, I needed to survive. And so that's when I, I had, you know, I knew I loved making people laugh. So I just decided that on the first day of school, I would find the biggest kid <laughs> in the whole school. And I'd do everything in my power to make him laugh, thinking that if he thought I was funny, he would protect me. Yeah. And sure it's... enough, I see this this total man boy. I mean, he was already shaving in the fifth grade. It, <laughs> it, was, it was just awesome. Mm-hmm. I did everything in my power to make him laugh. And 
I got him, you know, got him laughing good, and it's so much so that he, his nickname for me was Mad Dog because I would do anything that you know, I'd jump in a puddle or I'd do anything just to make him laugh. <laughs> but it was it was so awesome because I did, you know, nobody messed with me because I was Chris's best friend. Yeah, and, you know, messing with me was messing with Chris, and so it was, uh, it, you know, just a way to protect myself. But and, and again, I think we all have those kind of coping mechanisms that uh, that have become a part of who we are, and. and what I've learned through using my time machine is that humor is is an equally powerful gift. You know, I used it for protection, but it's also such a great joy to people. And to, you know, to, to just the, the gift of laughter and the gift yeah. of, of just making a funny comment. So now I use it far more to bring joy than to... You know, than to just be protected, but that was, uh, you yeah. know, that's funny that that story stuck out to you. I don't. I, all I, the, uh, Frank, know. all the stories, you're not looking at the camera. I've got notes on all the stories. They all stand out. Um, no, they're all, they're all beautiful. And then in that one, I just thought like that insight into your mind again, like, you were thinking like I need prote- protection. You weren't thinking like I need attention. I'm going to be the class clown. I mean, just the right. insights in your mind are just so fascinating. And then like the book often happens, which um, is very compelling. Then what should be like a highlight, like, man, that was so smart. That was ingenious to think, man, protection and be find the biggest, strongest kid and be his friend, and make him crack up. So that you have that protection mm-hmm. and you even talk about like some of your friends that got mistreated by the bullies uh, and other right. people because they didn't have the protection. And then ultimately, you know, teachers uh, or whatever, one teacher or whoever gets kind of uh, fed up, doesn't understand that. And then, you know, winds up being another kind of story of the dramatic kind of ups right. and downs that, that you experienced. Right. But Frank, right. let me let me make clear and then you can add every story stands out. There's not one oh. that, no, I am serious. We could sit here for six hours or you could read the book in just a couple of hours. Uh, I am just telling you again, time machines work and I haven't finished it. No, I've got about a hundred pages of those insights that Frank has been talking about. Um, but it's just incredible. So Christmas is right here. So Amazon. Yeah. It, Frank, it's awesome. So in fact, uh, I tried to make sure I could find five words. This book is amazing, Frank, because I know five words are sometimes very powerful in your life uh, from the book. So, dude. All right. Yeah. So you go ahead and finish however you want to finish. But uh, uh, it's incredible, dude. Yeah. It's an interesting story that that you honed in on because that the the listeners a little more detail. I good getting suspended um, for being funny, Thank you. which I couldn't believe. Uh, right. and, the, and the counselor, he didn't even ask me why I was trying to be funny. I went, right. I got sent to the office. He, he sat me down and, and, and you know, told me my humor account was up and, and I needed <laughs> to go home in two days thinking about how I was going to change my behavior. Yeah. But he, but he, he didn't even ask me, what were you doing? What right. were you thinking? And that, and that had happened. Ironically, that had happened just a little while after these two bullies at school had beat up my friend and literally stuck his his face in in wet dog poop. Right. And so, so I was using my humor to make sure that I wasn't the next guy getting beat up. Yeah. But the but the counselor and teachers and parents, we so often the the chapter of what that story is called Perry Mason wisdom. Yes. Because oh, because yes, when I got yes. home, uh, my foster <sighs> father didn't ask for my side of the story either. He just Not at told all. me. That if you get in trouble one more time, you have to you're leaving, and you know hitting my biggest fear 
of right. not having a place to live. Right. And I think it's such a, the, the wisdom there for us parents is that when our kids are acting up, there's probably way more strategy involved in what they're doing than you realize. Yeah. Like if he would have said, hey, hey Frank, I, I, it's not like you to get in trouble. Can you tell me what's going on? You know, why would you right. end up in class like that? And I could have said, oh, you know, Grandpa, I'm so sorry, but my, my buddy just got beat up. And, you know, and, and those bully kids are so mean, and I needed to make sure that I was, you know, that they knew I was a funny guy and not the next guy to beat up. And we could have worked through it. And, right. and as parents, we're so apt to just hear one side of the story and think we know the truth. Yeah. But that's never the case. There's always three sides. There's there's my side, there's your side, and, and then the truth lies somewhere in the, in the middle. Mm. But what I try to do... Um, so you know, so this is one of I'll, I'll, this is one of the parenting things that I learned from that. Yeah, is that now? Like I came home from work one one night, and my wife was furious with my son, and and, he, and uh, she said he he pushed his sister, he pushed her down and hurt her, and I'm so mm. mad, and I need you to go in there, and, and he's in big trouble. Yeah, and uh, and and I was, and my first thought was, oh, I wonder what's going on. So yeah. rather than going into his room and saying, listen, young man, you don't ever push your sister. I'll push you. Right. I didn't do that. I went down. I sat next to him on the bed. He was sitting on his bed. I sat next to him. I didn't say a word for like 30 seconds. Yeah. And, and I didn't look him in the eyes. I looked straight ahead. So we were sitting shoulder to shoulder. And then I said to him, I said, son, I'm having a hard time understanding what happened because I know that you're a man of honor. Mm. And I can't figure out why a man of honor would push his sister. But... Uh, I, I'm here to hear your side of the story. And yeah. so think about that for a minute and then, and then let's talk about it. But what I led with was you're a man of honor and that, that that's mm-hmm. what I know you to be mm-hmm. not you're in trouble. You're a bad kid. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I'm going to push right. you harder than you pushed her, right. but that, that, that we speak honor into our kids. And then as I let him, you know, calm down a little bit, not looking him in the eyes and pointing them. What were you thinking? You know, right. I can give parents the answer to this question. What were you thinking? If you're asking that to a young boy, the answer is he wasn't thinking. Right. So you're, <laughs> you're, at, you're setting him up for failure because mm. he wasn't thinking. He's just reacting. Mm. And so, but when I, when I said, you're a man of honor, I want to know, you know, and, and he, he goes, dad, I'm so sorry. She was driving me crazy. She kept taking my stuff and she was doing this. And I finally had just had enough and I pushed her and I'm so sorry. Mm. And I said, and I said, okay, I, I get it. What wisdom can we harvest from that? Mm. How can we learn to act with this in honor? And when you start to ask your kids, not what were you thinking, but what wisdom can we harvest from this? Mm. It's a game changer yeah. because now they're not thinking, oh, great, I'm in trouble or I'm a bad person. But no, I'm a human. I make mistakes, and and if we're lucky, we we can learn from each mistake and then not have to make that one again. Right. And and it's so cool, even. This story isn't in the book, but even thinking back, my son and my daughter are incredible friends now. Yeah. They totally get along. They they talk socially on the phone all the time, and they can't wait to see each other. But I, I'm convinced it's because we learned how to help them each celebrate who the other was. You yeah. know, my son's a super <clears throat> introvert, so when she was bugging him you know, and taking his stuff because she's uber extrovert, right. you know, he had had enough. And so, but once we learned to teach each of them no, introverts, you know, we, we think introverts are shy and extroverts are gregarious. The, the science of it is that introverts recharge by being alone right. and extroverts recharge by being around humans. And so I would just to teach my daughter, no, Christian's out of words, and yeah, so you yeah. got to leave alone right now. 
Yeah. And, and I do the same thing with my kids. I'm like, hey, guys, uh, I love you to death, but I'm totally out of words. I'm going to recharge by myself, and I'll be back in a you know, half hour. Right. And, and then I can go and recharge. Or if my daughter's driving me crazy, I'll say, listen, you need to be around humans. Who, you know, where can I take you? Who can you call? Because <laughs> you're driving me crazy, but I know it's just because you need humans right now. Right. And, um, yeah, so so that would just be, I guess, my closing thing yeah. with the book or with the the interview would just be to let let every listener know you truly are a work of art you truly have amazing gifts and so many of us you, you know imagine you so the bible talks about god the father mm-hmm. and if we can imagine our kids coming to us and just going oh i suck i'm so bad at this i'm terrible at that and i'm not good at anything we would just give them a big hug and tell them no no that's not true what you're really you're so good at this and you're like with my daughter you're so good at bringing joy you're so good at, at making people laugh you're so good at at helping you know hurting people and and we would just speak love into them and we would speak what i call in the book database praise mm. you know and and we'd give them database praise uh, um and and yet we we allow ourselves to beat ourselves up and to go to god and to tell him how bad we are why well, i think god wants to give us all a big hug Mm-hmm. And saying, no, Steve, you're amazing. You're so kind-hearted. You're such a brilliant listener. You're so good at giving wise counsel. You, you are such a brilliant dad. You're such a great husband. You you love so well. That's who you are. You're you're not, you know, this or that or the other. You are. This is the gifts I've entrusted to you, and I intend for you to give those away. Then that. So let's not beat ourselves up anymore. Let's learn to celebrate who we are instead of mourning who we're not. And then let's learn to do the same for our kids. That's great, Frank. Man, Frank, thank you so much uh, for writing this book. And thank you. I'm I'm really excited to see God um, just get this book out there. And uh, I want you to hang on just so I can talk to you real quick off air. Uh, but as we just uh, sign off this show, so I want to again say to our viewers on Facebook, our listeners on the podcast or on AM 630 KSLR, Time Machines Work. Um, I can't wait to finish the rest of the book, but it is brilliant and it is beautiful and um, it's going to it's going to get you in the heart and it's going to get you in the spirit. It's going to get you in the soul. It's going to get you in the mind. Um, It's just uh, it's really beautiful. And um, I want you to get this book. So Amazon right now, Time Machines Work by Frank Tate. And I want it. uh, I want it for our youth parents. Um, I want it, I want it for you. It's going to impact your life. So, uh, go get that book right now. Time machines work and my money back guarantee still stands. So I want to remind our listeners, um, why we're called very bold and it's right from the Bible. And it's, uh, from somebody who turned their life around, who was causing a lot of pain and inflicting a lot of pain on, on believers and persecuting them. And when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, everything changed. Talk about a game changer. When you realize that Jesus is real, that God's love is real, that God's love, uh, that God's hope is real. It's life. Um, and God is beautiful and God loves you. When Paul realized that, and then went on to see the power of God and the power of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the good news of reconciliation, the good news that you are loved, that you are, as he says in Ephesians 2.10, we're God's masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. And because you're his masterpiece, he's created these beautiful things. He had it long ago in store for you to do. 
and sometimes, like Frank said, mistakenly, whether it's through a parent, through it, through our own negative voices, whether it's through something else that somebody would try to keep us. And we know that Satan is really the one who wants to keep us from our purpose, from God's true purposes of who you are, where Jesus wants you to discover it and revel in it and enjoy it and celebrate it and feel Jesus' joy as you do what he's called you to do, what he's made you and designed you to do. And that's what Paul realized. That's real hope. And we want you to realize it, too. Get this book. Time Machines Work. Get this book. Uh, But Paul wrote, and this is the hope that I'm talking about. It's a living hope that Paul came to understand so that when he was imprisoned in Philippi, he could still sing praises to God because he knew he was in the pocket, as Frank says. He was right where Jesus wanted him to be, even though it was hard. Even though it was painful, he was right there and he could celebrate and sing and praise God despite that. And 2020 is definitely a year to do that, as Frank talked about as well, as finding and turning it into the good. Romans 8, 28, God works out all things for the good of those who love him. And even though our love for Jesus is not perfect, it's real. And Jesus isn't expecting right now that your love for him is perfect. He understands your love and he wants to turn that thing, whether it's 2020, whether it's a relationship that you're going through, as you go through your time machine and look at the past hurts, Jesus wants to heal that and turn that into something good. So we've got to give him that opportunity. Finally, I'm getting to very bold. So I just want to um, remind you, you can reach out to me, Steve at very And uh, I'd love to hear what you think about this book. So I I want you to get the book, read the book, and uh, send me your thoughts. You can text me your thoughts, too. Um, I would love to hear what you think and about your experiences of those painful things from your past and how you revisit them and glean and harvest that wisdom. That is great hope. So uh, I will remind you what Paul wrote finally, 2 Corinthians 3.12. He said this. uh, Paul wrote this. Therefore... Since we have such a hope, we are Very Bold. Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. Steve at VeryBold.com